You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Hello, and thank you for joining me today on our sesh. This is Shalina from Shall We Toke. Thank you, Chauncey, for joining me. Well, thank you for having me today. Yes. I'm excited. This is exciting. Yes. We have yes. an interesting story how we met <laughs> not I that know, long ago. Correct. Correct. Vegas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and then reconnected another way for business-wise. And yes. Still, you know, it's funny that like we just, it was an automatic uh, head off, I guess you can say. I, I think so. And just... Yeah. As we say, uh, organically growing. Organically growing. Yes, I like that. yes. So tell me, I know I don't want to, it's not like an interview. We're not going to be like doing an interview status. <laughs> We're just going to be hanging out. Oh, <laughs> shucks. <laughs> no, I, you know, with me, it's all about having conversations, yeah. especially when you're building relationships and friendships. Right. You know? And what I thought was so fascinating was your story mm-hmm. was the fact that you literally went from coffee to cannabis. I know. <laughs> and uh, not a lot of women, you know, in this, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of women in this industry that have done it so consistently. And you said, what year did you start? Now, officially, uh, I want to say it was uh, roughly about 10 years ago. I didn't even think I'd be in this space on any level. Uh, I want to say 10 years, maybe a little shy of that. Right. But uh, originally, yes, having a coffee shop in LA. Well, what was know, the name? Uh, the name of the coffee shop yeah. was actually called Nikki's Closet. I had it with the girlfriend. Interesting. And I was wondering why she uh, utilized the name Closet, Nikki's Closet. But when you would actually go into the space, it was like walking into a living room of someone's home. So she made it, uh, I, I want to say, extremely comfortable. But uh, every day, the types of coffees and drinks, uh, you just didn't know what to expect. So it was like, in a sense, uh, whatever she pulled out of the closet. So it was really a lot of interesting flavors, uh, just a, a realm of an experience of uh, going around the world. Interesting. Oh, in like the middle dif- valet. Oh, so know? like different, like the coffees are different. From all over the world. Interesting. Yes, yes. Why was it called closet? You know, she actually is what uh, I would consider a fashionista. She was a hairdresser or still is. Okay. Uh, does a lot of makeup and uh and uh, let's see, helping people uh, in the industry in Hollywood, uh, behind the scenes, uh, nice. getting to the next level and dressing quite a few for uh, red carpet. So it was an idea that she wanted, a coffee shop. You know, I was her girlfriend. She was my girlfriend. I'm like, what are your dreams? What are we doing? She's like, I want a coffee shop. Oh. So, yeah, so we opened that. But oh, so you guys were friends, and then you guys just decided, let's just open up a coffee shop. Correct. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, ideally, you know, in the end because it was really short-lived. It just took too many cups of coffee mm-hmm. to pay the bills. It, oh yeah, I think you were, you were mentioning that. Yes. Okay, yes. so then. So what I decided <laughs> to do, you know, I really decided because I'm, I own the property. So I was like, mm, what else do I wanna do? I'm too busy because next door in the other property I have an auto shop mm-hmm. where, it was, uh, where I was in a sense uh, really making a, a lot of good money as well mm-hmm. doing auto restoration and, and, and repair. Mm-hmm. So with that, I was saying, uh, I'm really loving what I'm already doing on the other side of the wall. Let me just put a for lease sign up. So I did that, put it up for rent. And uh, within days, I, I was getting so many calls because it's on such a major street. 
the amount of traffic coming through. So mm-hmm. a lot of people were calling about it. But what sparked my attention were these three guys, young men, really young kids. They contacted me saying they wanted to open a uh, T-shirt and hat business, you know, printing and creating T-shirts, you know, for uh, any and everybody. So I thought it was a great idea. I was like, hey, why not? The space is really small but cute. Mm -hmm. And I I thought they'd be successful there. And uh, ideally they went in, did their thing. And (laughs) uh, roughly after, I want to say roughly about maybe four months later, I got a call from uh, the neighborhood watch, the uh, preacher on the street that's in the apartments across from my place. He was like, you better get over to your property. It looks like there's an altercation going on. Right in the front. So I was like, um, what are you talking about? I was like, an altercation? Okay, I'm down the street. Let me, mm-hmm. you know, pull up and see what's going on. So when I actually did, I, I pulled up and, you know, I have this uh, lighted box about, uh, I want to say maybe about 15, 20 feet in the air above the building, you know, you a will- lighted box. It's oh. the lighted display marquee. Okay. You know, which describes what kind of business it is. You know, it's the late night light flashing oh, light type okay. of display sign. Oh, up in your sign. Yes, oh, yes, it, yes. It, so when I pulled up, there was this green cross, right? You know, so oh, okay. ideally, you know, me not knowing, you know, about any type of industry other than church and my parents are, you know, over church. So every I'm thinking day. of oh, yes, church every day. Every I was day. at church every single day every. growing up. But we'll talk about that That in was a amazing by the way you told me that. You know, we went every day, but you like lived at the church. No, no, we we used to drive every day <laughs> to church. To yes. church, you were that sinful. Oh yes, you know I, I love my parents, but they just really wanted to make sure <laughs> we got that religion. You know, you got God every it day. Was in you instilled in you. I'm like, Dad, I I have a report I have to finish for school. Bring it to church. <laughs> God will help you with yes. that one. <laughs> Yeah, so ideally uh, with that green cross, when I, I pulled up, I really thought that they had opened a church. So I said, okay, maybe they're not, maybe they are, you know, not doing the t-shirts and hats, but mm-hmm. it was so much traffic going in and out through the door as I sat there for a minute. Then I said, well, let me go in. I don't see any altercation happening in the front. Mm-hmm. So as I went in, I uh, uh, went in, there was music playing, it was loud music and the lighting had changed. So I'm like, well, what are they doing? Now I'm walking down this little short little hallway mm-hmm. and now they put up another door where I can't easily get into the building. So I'm like, okay, oh. what's going on? So as I got in, I saw jars and jars and jars of cannabis, weed That's everywhere, awesome. music playing. It's probably about 10 people in there waiting to get served or whatever. And I'm like, what the heck is this? So then when I talked to the guys, I said, I thought you guys were opening up a t-shirt and hat business. What's going on? Uh, They pointed to a little display in the corner showing t-shirts and hats, etc. Wow. Yes. But they were getting into it. There was a guy in the building and he refused to leave. So uh, that gentleman was just one of the, uh, let's just say, one of the uh, neighborhood representative or ambassadors of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is the area of Rolling Sixties Crips. So it looked Mm. like one of the ambassadors there wanting to be handled or taken care of on some financial way. But uh, I realized these guys uh, really had a great business. They had a lot of traffic going in and out. As I stood there, I counted at least 30 people within 10 minutes. Uh, And what year was this? This was uh, 2011. Okay, so really? No, 2000, I take that back, about maybe 2009 or something like that. Oh, wow, more than a decade. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you said you were still the property owner? Yes, I own the property. And they were paying you rent? Oh, yes, and they were paying on time. So I had no problem with them. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, 
What's going wow. on? So, you know, I did come and check mm-hmm. in on them, but uh, they were doing really well. Wow. Or I thought they were until they told me that they wanted to get rid of it or they Wait. really wanted to, in a sense, move on and get another location. And I asked them what do they want to do with that location there because it looks to me like they really uh, had a great thing but were maybe really scared to move in the light of dealing with the mm-hmm. ambassadors in the neighborhood. Right. But uh, when they asked me about uh, relocating, uh, I said, yeah, I have another property I can put you guys into if you're interested. But what do you want to do with this one? What about all these customers that are here? And then they asked me that I want it. I said, um... You know, I'm a businesswoman, of course. Oh, and it's your property. It's my property. So it's like you wouldn't have so, to do anything. No, other than give them cash. And oh then I asked God. them how much did they want for the business. And I think they told me like $15,000. Are you kidding? No, for real. Wait, where's the and location I, on this? I, I, I forked that money over so quick. I was like, hang on, I'll be right back. Wait, you sit there. No, you come <laughs> go with me. Because I didn't want him to change his mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, for real. I said, you know what? We're going to go over to my office and let's type something up. Because he had the licensing. It was on the wow. wall. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so he, he was the able BR, to do it. And the, what was it the, called the BTRC or BRTC, which are certificates in LR44 and an LR50 for the city of Los Angeles. Okay. And the cross streets, this is 6th Avenue in Florence. So it's 6th Avenue in Florence. It's uh, not too far from Crenshaw. So it's a lot. Okay. It's a major traffic way. And it takes you into Inglewood. It takes you to the airport. It takes you, um, you're in between the 110 freeway and the 405. So it's, uh, yeah, it was great. Florence and Six in Venice? No, not no, no, Venice. No. Van Ness. Oh, sorry. That's... Van Ness. <laughs> that's a big yeah. difference. So Venice said... and Van Ness. Van Ness, wait. Sixth and... Um... Sixth Avenue and Florence. Florence. And Los Angeles. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay. Okay, that's like... Yeah, that's deep in. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's near Hyde Park. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, it was a great neighborhood. Great to me, it was mm-hmm. a great neighborhood because I have the auto shop next door. I made a ton of money there. Still making money there. Wow. Yeah, I've had that. Oh, the auto. So, well, you my auto the... shop. I still own my auto shop as well. Wow. Called Bullock's Custom Motorsports. Wow. I need to bring my car in there. <laughs> yes. And then I've been in the auto business for, in that business, that has a story too. I've been, I've had that company since uh, 1999. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> I would never thought. You look amazing. Really? Oh, well, thank you. Uh, yes, yes. So, uh, yes, been doing Do you know whatever happened to those guys? You know, as a matter of fact, this is, uh, this. wow, this is really crazy. But uh, as I, well, let, let's see if I can't channel this into where we are. And let me go back a little okay, bit. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So with those guys, I did, I did buy them out. Okay. I did relocate them into one of my other buildings. Oh, you relocated them? Yes, I did. I did. I, I wanted that building, that business. Oh, whatever so I, they I was did. was going to take over, so they right. didn't want it, but they wanted to relocate. And so, so they did the, the proper licensing for where they were going? I, I, well, they, with oh. what they gave me, oh, I'm assuming it right, was right, right, right with right. what they could because they knew how to get the licensing. Right. Oh, that's right. So, they worried about yes. licensing, and you just were like, okay. Yeah, yeah, they had yeah. them on the wall. Right. So with them having those licenses on the wall, I just knew, you know, it was yeah, a win-win-win, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just uh, as I relocated them, they were doing their thing, still paying the rent and uh, <laughs> with time. <laughs> yeah, and then I would say in about maybe six, seven months from that point, I received a letter, a letter from the city, oh, the God. city attorney's office, district attorney, and they uh, had basically sent me a letter saying I was running an illegal uh, cannabis uh, dispensary. So they weren't licensed? 
Well, the licenses were there on the wall. I couldn't wait to take those things off and go to court to show them that they didn't know what they were talking about. Right. So ideally, I did just that, contacted okay. my attorney at the time and said, hey, I need you to see if you can even move the data because I really want to go there mm-hmm. and right. you know, give them <laughs> a piece of my mind in a right. sense because I felt like they really didn't know what they were talking about. Right. But ideally, once I got to court, I realized I didn't know what I was talking about. They had those licenses, but there were a lot more things that needed to be in alignment Ah. In order to be in compliance. Like what? In order to, uh, well, you needed to have uh, building and safety mm-hmm. sign off saying it is a cannabis location. Interesting. The police department needs to be aware of it. In addition to that, uh, there should have been uh, the fees paid to the, uh, I, what is the uh, uh, state of California uh, equali- Board of Equalization. They had not taken care of any of that. Um yeah, there were quite a few things. A conditional use permit because it was still a, an insurance mm-hmm. location on the books. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of things that weren't in Sca- order. Yeah, but they still had licensing with That's the city of Los Angeles to have those those licenses for retail, right. for cannabis sales, and for marijuana sales. So they had that, but they didn't have everything. But what was lacking really with the city of Los Angeles, or really even in the state right now, mm-hmm. that was lacking then that's now in place is the Department of Cannabis Regulation. That just didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Where there could be people to go to right. to find out what the laws are. Right. So it's it was crazy how they would just say, yeah, go to City Hall, go get your license and open up. I mean, people were doing but it. there was other people they had to also get approval from, but they didn't do Yes, that. but the, the city, how, how would we know to do it if there's no one to yeah. tell you? And if you go online, there's no division or any other uh, compliance uh, program set to explain where to get these things done. There right. isn't a checklist when you applied for that right. license with the city of LA like there is now. Yeah, there's a checklist on for there all those applications. So like, thank you for these. <laughs> yes, yes. They didn't have, and I know they didn't have it even a couple years ago. And Correct, remember a DCR is, uh, it's still a baby, it's still yeah. a newborn. And it's, it, it's funny cause it's like, it's like the state or the city, whoever was licensing them, essentially gave them the license, but then they're going to rack up fines and fees for not doing the other stuff. Right. So it's, and, but they're not allowing, or they're not, maybe they told them and they didn't just do it or. I don't know. Even when I went up there, they, they couldn't even tell me what to do. They didn't know. How did you find out? Oh, when I went to court, you mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. When I went to court and then I realized what oh. I needed to do. And then the attorney started, you know, talking to other people because he's like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. We're seeing rooms of people every day. As time progressed, mm-hmm. there were there were there were people, many people with many cases, multiple cases, multiple locations, property owners. Because actually, when they initially came to me and contacted me, they didn't know that I actually had the store at the time. They had contacted me and prosecuting me as a property owner. Interesting. Oh, like you knew about it? And- yes. Oh, got and it. And like I just let it go, or I was cool with it, but I assumed that. They were, they were in, in compliance. compliance. Right. Absolutely. And it's not like I see how it like falls on your burden, but it's like it shouldn't. Like you're the one. It's like if they're telling you that it's licensed and they're the ones getting all the work. Oh, absolutely. Like it shouldn't fall on unless there's a law. Maybe there's a regulation on that. But I don't know. I don't and, think there was back then. No. And then when I purchased the when I purchased the business, I contacted the Board of Equalization and paid the back taxes that they hadn't paid according to what receipts. 
that I could I could locate mm-hmm. and pay according to what their average was previously to bring the the uh, the uh, seller's permit number into compliance. So it's really weird. It's just really funky. But to uh, make a long story even longer, I really got pissed off with going through all the changes. And what I mean by that is I said, okay, if uh, they're coming after me, now I'm thinking of all the other people that they've chased down, they've prosecuted, right. they've created chaos for, they've caused to, uh, and, and it's not cheap. You know, these cases, my case last, I want to say at least three, three and a half years. Oh, my God. In addition to that, the fees for the attorney and and trying to, in a sense, uh, figure out what was needed to be in compliance. And then they're saying there just isn't a way. But why and how and why would you guys even issue these licenses or why not create a way for them to have an expiration date? Or if you were receiving our statements and our annual statements, as to how much we've made mm-hmm. and it's being posted and paid and the taxes paid to the city uh, or city hall, why not not cash the check? Why not send me my money back? Right. Why not send me a letter saying, hey, no, I think you're. this is wrong what you guys are saying. I don't think your license is in compliance or something like that. But they didn't do any of that. So then I said, um, as I continued, every time I went to court, uh, I felt like the judge... Uh, felt as though I uh, was purposely uh, either uh, lagging it on or extending it or not willing to be in compliance or willing to uh, go against what the ruling of the court was. But it was never on that level. It was for me trying to basically better understand justice and the justice side of this because Mm -hmm. uh, I felt like it was a disservice done to me, even to the other gentlemen that were initially in there and then myself and then my employees. And then, you know, it's like there's still initially bills to pay. We've created a business. Mm-hmm. And then there, when I, as I was in the space, then I realized people weren't just getting high. There are actually people coming in there that are in need of care. So uh, when you're dealing with the public and you're, if you're into what I considered and why I thought this was really a great business is, I really thought that the kids uh, were really young, and I know I keep pertaining to them or or saying that they're kids, but Mm -hmm. these young men, I felt like maybe they could not better understand how to give proper customer service. So I said, well, maybe that's why they want to get rid of the business. Maybe, you know, with me having the experience for business, Mm -hmm. I can expand it. I can grow the business. I can create the best customer service and give that customer an opportunity to become that customer for life with me. So then I said, okay, let me better understand what their needs are. Since I had people coming in that were AIDS patients, cancer patients, people with hypertension, diabetes, uh, you name it, the entire gamut. So when they would come in, they would ask for things that would actually help them if it was lower back or shoulder pain or, 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 or something to help alleviate the side effects of the medication that they're taking for diabetes, etc., So then I said I would ask some of the people I would buy product from, and I would say, okay, in a sense, how does this work for the body? I have a guy asking for something to help uh, take away the swelling in his knees. Then a lot of times the guys would just come in that are selling the pounds. Mm -hmm. They would initially say, well, you know, I don't know. Shoot, I'm just selling it. Do you want it? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So then I would be like, okay, okay, no, they just need the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like at the time, you know, an average pound, being $5,000, that's a lot of money. Right. You know, so then I said, okay, since I'm a businesswoman and I'm about the bottom line, 
about things making sense. How do I increase my bottom line? How do I increase my profit? So then I said, okay, since they don't quite understand how these pounds and what I'm buying, but I'm selling it and the customer needs it or the patient needs it, how do I better understand how it works for their body? So then I had reached out to doctors, uh, some of my friends that are doctors that are Mm -hmm. in the cannabis space and then those that are traditional general Mm -hmm. practitioners. And then I said, let me reach out to some of the doctors that are and possibly doing clinical trials at UCLA and USC. Wow. So then I said, uh, let me just pick brains, you know, have coffee, have right. dinner, and start showing Learning. up for things. So then as I did that, then I realized what strains worked, and I better understood how a person's body is attached to what we call or consider the uh, endocannabinoid yeah. system. And then I said, okay, now I'm understanding this. Now what I need to do is cut out this middleman, the $5,000 pound, (laughs) so I can determine how much I can really grow a pound for. Ah. So then I started climbing into the side of uh, cultivation. cultivation. So then, Yes, yes. Oh, so it was you were trying to cut out, I mean, because I know you were saying that it was like a process of how you got into the way, the licensing and all that you did, but... It was because you were trying to cut out the guy who was charging five thousand a pound. Yes, I'm like, this is ridiculous. That's I've got to find this cheaper. Yeah, that's. I, I found mean, it cheaper, but back yeah. then, you know, yeah, you, it was expensive. You, it's like you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to make sure I was taking care of my patients correctly. Right. You know, and then I wanted to get the right products that would work for depending on whatever is ailing you, and then to, in a sense, try and have a variety. It's about a variety. And that variety, if it's a sativa, it's a hybrid, if it's an indica, an indica mm-hmm. or, you know, if it's a, a hybrid that is an indica aggressive or indica dominant, but then there's hybrids that are sativa dominant. Right. So, you know, it's trying to determine what worked and buying what was needed. So then I said, well, I'm just going to grow it. That way it would only cost me about $800 a pound opposed to paying It had pounds to grow. Yes. Interesting. So on average, it was costing me about $825. Per pound? Per pound. Wow. And that's, yes. I mean, that's significantly cheaper. Yeah. So then you, when you figure that out, then what did you do? Then I uh, kept doing things and continuing my court case. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I said, uh, but as I was climbing into this, because I'm like, mm, there's layers to this. Right. Where this is bigger than what I really thought it was. Yeah. So then. What year was this? This had to have been like 2011, 2010. Oh, wow. So you were learning about all of this. I mean, you were, it's like you were Googling. You were actually talking to like the doctors, like at Oh, yes. I was taking this seriously right. because then I realized people were bringing their money to me. Right. Seriously. They would bring a, their last. Right. To feel good, to you feel didn't, better. You didn't see it from the like pharmaceutical or like the medical way until you really started to understand what the patient was. What the patient, yeah. When you're dealing with that person, mm-hmm. they come in. And even when you're opening and they're like, okay, I know you're opening at nine o'clock, but can you open at eight o'clock? I got to be to work and such and such. And then Mm -hmm. you're realizing how important this is for people. What time were you opening? I I was opening at nine. Then I started opening at eight. Interesting. 8 a.m. to take care of those people that were at work early doing earlier shifts. Interesting. You know, just to try and make sure we gave the best possible customer Mm -hmm. service. So, uh, yes. Wait, so did you, did, were you allowed to open up that early? Like were they, was the city? Yeah, I think at that time there really wasn't much to stop you. Right. It's just most of the people or most of the (laughs) other retail stores that were open, 
I think, opened later because maybe they were more of the type that smoked during and that's the day more, all the time. And, and me, I'm, I'm about business and, yeah. you know, how do I structure something right. to increase my bottom line? How do I right. make things more efficient? How do we uh, pay attention to having that customer come back? How do we mm-hmm. work on marketing? How do we structure it where the employee and every employee is saying the same thing? You know, it's just all of that. Looking With, at yeah. the business side of how do I perfect this and grow this and multiply this into other stores. So I started working on that and then I ended up opening other stores as a matter of fact. Wow. And this is still medical though. Yes. Yes. And one point what? And then at one point we were able to, I was able to have about four stores happening all in LA at the same time. Yes. And what was like the name of them? Like secretly? Because I know that it's not a secret if I tell you. you know <laughs> oh, well, I mean? like now, though, it's well, now I can tell yeah. you. Well, ideally, my main location, even you'll see that we have uh-huh. CBD stores now. Six, oh, Ave, wow. Six Ave Collective CBD okay. or Six Ave Collective. I don't know if you've seen the. Uh, I think I've heard of it. Yes, because at one point I had every location Six Avenue and Florence, Six Avenue and Vernon, Six Avenue and Slauson, Six Avenue and King, Six wow, Avenue. Wow, you took over yes, Six Avenue. Yes, yes, wow. Six Avenue and Pico. Yes, I just, yes. Interesting. Wow. Okay, back up to the kids. Yes. Do you know have Do you know anything what's happened to them now? I ran into one, and I've just partnered up with one Stop. a month ago. Stop with cultivation. And so that person was still. He was like, I was wondering what happened to you. Um, through the family, uh, one of my other uh, brother-in-laws. Okay. Uh, deep in the business, you know, he's been up north, humbled, etc., doing it on a bigger scale mm-hmm. on the larger farms. This guy. Uh, uh, no, my your brother-in-law. Your brother-in-law. Yes. So ideally he's like, Hey, Chauncey, can you meet me at my house? You know, he has a really nice house in the Hills, Mm -hmm. uh, not too far from here. And, uh, ideally I said, uh, yeah, he's like, I I have a, I have a business proposition. I want to sit down with you and I need your opinion on, uh, do you have a minute? And I said, okay. So, uh, as I, uh, got there, here's a few Rolls Royces pulling up, you know, a Bentley pulling up, then this Range Rover, little cute little truck pulls up, lady pulls up, uh, the guy in the passenger seat leans forward. And as I'm standing there in the, in the parking lot or in the driveway, he says, you don't remember me. And I look at him and I'm like, um, who are you? Let me see. I can't see you. So as he got out, I knew exactly who he was. Wow. Yes. And I'm like, where have you been? What have you been doing? And uh, he told me his little story, and he's doing really big things still in the cannabis space and doing extremely well. Wow. Extremely well. Is he like a known? He is a known fella. I just can't say who he is. Can you tell me off air? Yeah, I will tell you. I will tell you who he is. Yes, and then they, they ended up having about maybe 20 stores throughout L.A. Wow. Yes, yes. That's insane. Yeah. So he ended up kind of taking that path too, mm-hmm. and you were taking your path, and now you guys kind of like... And here we are. I wow. mean, when I tell you not even a month ago, it's been, yeah, it's been a month now. Wow, I kind of got like chills. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So what happened to the other two guys? Um, He said they're still doing their thing. Everybody's still in the industry. Oh, okay. But he's the go-to. He's the little sales guy. He's the go-getter, you know? Okay. 
So, yeah. Wow. So you guys are going to team up with your company. Yes. Wow. Look at how that worked out. I know. And he doesn't, he's like, what are you doing? I thought <laughs> so you got out of this. He thought I got out of it after that one situation oh, with yeah, the store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Because at some point they ended up, I had to close all the stores down in a oh, sense. Okay, yeah. So you I said didn't you, finish this court yeah, yeah. case So you went to the court. Him. Tell yes, me Yes, and I ended up getting prosecuted. I had to shut down anything that pertained to me, I ended up getting on probation, ended up having to pay fees. I ended up catching, a, as, a, as they say, technically speaking, a case. And uh, with that, I really got pissed off because I haven't started talking as to where I am today in this space. Right. I got so pissed off that I started saying, you know what? I'm going to go to every city council meeting, mm-hmm. every neighborhood right. watch meeting, every neighborhood council meeting, and getting involved. Mm-hmm. So they could see I'm a black woman in the space, I'm a minority. I'm not a gangster. I'm not a gangbanger. I'm just a regular girl that grew up in L.A. trying to create a business and make it a self-sustaining business and a profitable business. And then I also was dealing with the, you know, the what we're dealing with in our community is we're disproportionately dealing with a lot of things that are imbalanced, Mm -hmm. you know, from having nice restaurants so we're eating the worst foods mm-hmm. to not having the rest, the best uh, supermarkets. So we're really eating the worst foods mm-hmm. and that having an impact on our health and that having an impact on those clients and the customers that I was dealing with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I said, I need to start speaking out and up for all of them. So I did just that. So then as I started going to the city council meetings and people were like, okay, here comes Miss Bullock. Okay, give her the mic just for 10, 30 <laughs> seconds. They kept hitting the switch on me. Okay, you're talking too long. You're talking too long. But then I started meeting up with other organizations, mm-hmm. uh, reached out with um, the Gorilla Life Group, uh, the Think and Grow Lab with Cherie Franklin and Danny Shaker, um, just a ton of different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, met and sat down with the Minority Alliance, which was... Uh, Virgil Grant's organization, and uh, wow, I really started getting all just full throttle. I dove deep into this because it was a level of me being pissed off. You know, you're coming to me, you're prosecuting me. Now I have a case. No, I just wanted to make sure that anyone else that came into uh, the, I guess, fell into the same category as myself for those in the past, those present and future, that they have an opportunity and a seat at the table to be able to still yet have uh you know have an opportunity to climb into cannabis mm-hmm. and do this business legitimately uh do it respectfully and do it wholeheartedly to create generational wealth brand legacies uh to even have an opportunity if the whatever they want to do in the cannabis space if it's agriculture if it's growing if it's better understanding you know the ancillary business which could be packaging it could be labeling it could be mm-hmm. a websites it could be Anything. That's huge, I think. Oh, and totally. People don't realize that, like, if because the people ask, like, how did you, how should I get into the space? I'm like, that's a huge avenue. And people is. don't really look at. Not at all. And then you know, a lot of people are still what we call on paper, in mm-hmm. a sense, you know, where they've gotten out of prison, but they still have to wait a few years before they sign off on the dotted line. They say that they are completely scot free. Mm-hmm. Um, there are those still on probation that uh, are still dealing with this. I'll never forget when they finally said it was overturned and I was still on probation. I probably still had a year to go. I would set a date to go in front of the judge. I did. And I, you know, and pleaded my case saying basically, 
you know, now cannabis in a sense is legal. The space mm-hmm. is illegal. It's all over with. Can you please take me off of probation? Uh, the prosecuting attorney stopped me in the middle of my words and said, I just don't think it's right that Miss Bullock should be able to be off probation. It looks as though she still possibly might have an inkling to still create and have an illegal business on 6th Avenue in Florence. She's like, uh, we've recently gone by there, and it looks like there's still a little marking left on the lighted marquee, a still little speck of green on that sign. I'm like, the people have cleaned that sign up, but I'll go and have them remove every little bitty, itty bitty, teeny piece Mm -hmm. that's left. You know, when I realize that, then I'm like, okay, they really don't care if it is at a point where, you know, the deed has been done, the, 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 uh, Taxpayers and the majority of the population have said, okay, let's consider this as a non-legal, non-threat, non-issue mm-hmm. when it comes to having or pertaining or anything pertaining to cannabis, the sale of it or the smoking of it or whatever. But from how I was treated that day in court with me just looking at wanting to have it removed mm-hmm. off of my record... And when she said that, then I said, oh, I'm going to go real full throttle with this. Now, since I said I've been working toward uh, city officials and making sure that we create a space for social equity Mm -hmm. in cannabis, I said, okay, since the lady feels as though I I won't see uh, uh, an an easy way of overcoming what her state of mind is or where her mindset was, I said, I'm just going to go in and grab every possible license I can that's out there, not for other people, but just for (laughs) me. I took it personal. Then I said, okay, if she's going to do that, let me just go and make sure other people around me as far as minorities, black, brown, Asian, I don't care what color you are. I want to help you to get a license. So I ended up partnering up with Cherie uh, Franklin and Danny Shaker at the Think and Grow Lab, and we created the Go Verde Incubator. The Go Verde Incubator Space is where we actually work to help those that have been in the shadows when it comes to cannabis Mm -hmm. that may not want their licensing or know how to get their licensing. Mm -hmm. We've been able to help them obtain licensing where we wanted to create an ecosystem. So from beginning of the seed all the way to the sale of who the end user would be Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, create that space. That's to help any cultivator, anyone that may want a retail store, anyone that want delivery, anyone that may want to understand uh, how to create strains and the genetics of that, or anyone that just wants to give a hand, roll up some sleeves and get involved. So the incubator space is located uh, in what we call the Goodyear Tract. It's off of, a hun- uh, it's off of uh, Avalon and Gage, and it is a 150,000 square foot facility. And within that facility, we have multiple licensed cultivators. In addition to that, we have our space for distribution. We have multiple uh, delivery licensees that are also uh, going through the process right now. And then we also have an 8,000 square foot space for manufacturing. And uh, with that, it does total to about 150,000 plus. And then we have some other locations that are off campus or off site as well, another 60,000 square feet elsewhere. But with this, we've been working diligently mm-hmm. and helping any person that's out there get to the next level, get them licensed, get them with a brand if they're actually just interested in having a cannabis brand, even a pre-roll or an edible. Uh, it's been that for me, the plight of making sure that 
Is there anyone out there that has been pissed off and now mm -hmm. and allowing that pistosity to become the fuel to get to the next level? Mm -hmm. uh, that's just been my thing. So you'll see me every day <laughs> posting something on Instagram, right. on Facebook, talking to people, helping with legacy brands, helping those that may have cases, helping to overturn cases, trying to figure out, uh, you know, uh, with what people are dealing with on a, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. With some of the brands that are on board with me, I want to shout out to uh, uh, Evelyn LaChapelle and uh, Anthony and L'Oreal Allegretti, mm -hmm. and then also Corvain Cooper. Uh, they are all part of what's called the Last Prisoner Project, mm -hmm. and I've done brands with them. Currently, I have with uh, Evelyn LaChapelle. Her brand is roughly called uh, 87 Months. Uh, Evelyn LaChapelle did 87 months in prison for depositing a certain dollar amount into her checking account. And uh, What do you mean? She uh, It showed that uh, regarding a transaction for a friend, a boyfriend... She had deposited some money into her account, and uh, she was prosecuted and did 87 months in prison for that. I've, I think I follow her on Instagram, but I didn't know that that was, I didn't know that she, it was, that was the case. So she deposited money. Into her checking account. And they track that, mm -hmm. and she did 87 months. In prison. For that. Yes. And they tracked it back to him with what? I, I'll let you look at the case. Okay. I'll, I'll let you look at the case. Interesting. And uh, yes. And uh, Corvain Cooper is her co-defendant. Okay. And uh, ideally, he was doing life in prison. I think I met him. And on January 20th, uh, Trump uh, did uh, give clemency right. to him. And now he's out. He's been out for about five months now, four months. Wow. And uh, ever since then, I've been working diligently with them. And what we've created were some brands. One is called the 40 Tons with L'Oreal. She's also a woman of color, mm -hmm. black woman. Shout out to you, L'Oreal Allegretti. Mm -hmm. uh, she and I, along with her husband and Corvain, have created the brand. Uh, he actually was prosecuted in doing life in prison for 40 tons of cannabis. 40 tons is quite a bit. <clears throat> yeah. So what we've created is a brand where the proceeds or a percentage of the proceeds go toward helping the 40,000 prisoners that are still, uh, yeah, incarcerated right. for cannabis convictions. Right. And it is called the 40 tons, one gram. That one gram we sell for $20 a gram. It is a premium, premium cannabis brand, flower. Mm -hmm. uh, but with that, a percentage of those proceeds go to helping those out there that have been wrongly charged, we feel, if the case and on the state level, the local level, if the state is now saying that cannabis is allowable, we should actually have set every prisoner free in my eyes. Right. It just does not make sense. What are they saying that these barriers for why they're not out? Well, there's so many different barriers. It's, uh, it's called uh, uh, paperwork. <laughs> wow. It's sad. It's like that. That's insane. Um, I talking about your facility. Yes. Is that, is that the one that I went to? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I don't know if you had even a chance to walk all the buildings. With no, me. but it, right when you walk in, and I, I, because from the outside you can't tell. Mm -hmm. Right when you walked into the, I think we walked to the distro side. Yes. I was like, whoa. It's amazing, isn't Holy it? Holy shit. This right? is huge. It was know. huge. Yes. So wait, so what? So you've broken down the facility into 
Yes, I don't know. You know, when the distro side we were in, um, but I don't know if you remember where you were doing an interview uh, near the other, and shout out to Johnny of the Good Gas Company. Good Gas mm-hmm. is another brand out there. Premium young guys out here in the Valley doing their thing Love with it. me. Another Love minority-owned it. company. Uh, yes, we were near their right. structure. Down there at the 642 East 62nd address okay. is the beginning of my cultivation space. Got it. So that's about 17,000 square feet there, the first okay. phase. Then we have another 16,000 square feet of my second phase of uh, Greenhaven, L.A., cultivation. Oh, they're the phases of us. Yeah, oh, so, so the- next door, there's 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 all, all down the row, you're walking past cultivation. So roughly there's about 80, I want to say about 75,000 square feet of cultivation that we start walking past until we get to the 10,000 square foot distribution. Mm-hmm. Then we have another 5,000 square feet of the delivery the delivery companies, mm-hmm. and then we have another uh, 13,000 square feet of manufacturing, mm-hmm. and then we have another 18,000 square feet of cultivation on the end. Wow. So we still didn't get to the other portion on the other side of the white mm-hmm. truck where the step and repeat of all the brands are. You couldn't see the other side of that, but uh, yes, yeah, so it's it's uh, a lot of, uh, yes, it's a lot of uh, <laughs> real estate. Yeah, and but I mean, you're a property owner. You've been so... So you, you're used to this, but so in the facility, it's it's all your in-house brands. Correct. Got it. And there's no other, like when you said that you want to help people with their licensing, are you, can you explain that? Of like, course, of course. Well, you there are a lot of social equity, uh, how do I put, social equity applicants okay. with the city of LA that don't have funding. Got it. You know, uh, even with this, I didn't have funding. Mm-hmm. I had to strategically create ways to create the funding, create the branding. I had to, you know, uh, loan myself money from my auto shop, from my other businesses. I know it's mm-hmm. crazy, but uh, in doing that, I had to, in a sense, be self-sufficient. You know, when you're dealing with minorities, I'm I'm, I'm a black woman. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a bl- I'm black. I'm a Any woman. woman. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. You know, there's so many things going right. on. You know what I mean? You're like, oh my god, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we can give you money. You know what I mean? But then when you're dealing on with the city and the state on mm-hmm. levels, uh, I want to work, or even on the federal level, I want to move into tapping into those resources mm-hmm. because they do exist. Because I'm a minority, and on so many levels, but. When it comes to really talking to people about cannabis, them looking at you as far as, far with, as far as your package and who you are and what you stand for and what you do. Uh, I was truly blessed with people knowing me and seeing me as a businesswoman mm-hmm. for many years. They're saying, oh, okay, I see you doing what you're doing. You've been doing your thing. And I will gently invest something it's never what you need, but something is mm-hmm. still yet a blessing. Mm-hmm. And me, uh, I, I think because my parents were also business owners, so me having that blessing of watching them and how they've moved and how I was really taught to be conservative on so many levels, so that actually helped me, <laughs> you know, be successful, I think, to some degree with yeah, building out what does. I have, with, yeah. uh, you know, with knowing, you know, you keep going and you right. don't give up. That spiritual right. side, as far as religion goes right. as well, Faith. has been, oh, yes, has been phenomenal, Yeah, you know, and then uh, being self-sufficient, you right. know, not knowing, you know, I haven't had a safety net with a regular job since the 90s so wow. you know for me i'm like it's just a hustle i'm just hey every day every day i'm blessed to get up and get it 
and go get <laughs> it. And it's out there and I'm going to find it. You know what I mean? Yes. That's what it's about. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're, when you're an entrepreneur. Right. So with that, you know, me being blessed to say, let me figure out what I call guerrilla marketing okay. on ways to let people know what I'm doing right. so they can find me. Okay. And if they're interested, they'll invest. If they like what I'm doing, if I show them what I'm doing, you know, a lot of people walked to my facility when the buildings were all empty. Now, all the buildings are full. Everything's almost completely built out. You know, cultivation, my personal cultivation is uh, my first, my phase one is completely 100% built out. Wow. The other partnership with uh, Super Premium Can Corp on the other side of me in the middle. Uh, they're completely 100% built out. But the other portion in between us is just now getting started to roll out. So that's going to be phenomenal. And then also on the other side of that, uh, Emerald Dreams. Emerald Dreams is another social equity brand that's owned by uh, Lene and Carnell Caver. And they're also social equity partner, Ishman Baber. He's been doing extremely well uh, also. So climbing into what he has, he has uh, one of the uh, top 100 licenses for retail. He's been working on the retail space. Mm -hmm. uh, and shout out to him and Danny Shaker on that partnership. So we'll be putting uh, all our social equity brands in that location as well. So I'm excited about that. And then as far as that goes as well, we have uh, the other social equity applicants, which is uh, Anthony Suggs. We have uh, Christopher Brown, we have uh, Devel Taylor, we have a host of uh, Sabrina, uh, Sabrina Suter, we have Sinyan Kelly, we have Tawana Wiggins, we have Lasagna Wiggins, her sister, and they all have brands that we're working on until we can climb into a space of the application process and, hopes, and hoping that as we're all social equity applicants, we can then apply for the retail side again and hopes that the, that, that will uh, come to light before the end of the year. Uh, but with that too, a shout out to Raven uh, Woods. He's also one of our social equity applicants with the uh, retail space that we're, we're partnered in and working on. So uh, we're creating this space to have uh, an opportunity where it's a, a complete ecosystem. So like I said, from seed to sale, so we can actually control uh, the amount of money we're able to make, uh, control our expenses, control our retail price. If uh, bills are high on some level, then we're going to adjust and, uh, yeah, be able to make that happen. Interesting. So in your grow, like those different brands, they're growing their cannabis in in my space. In the facility. As we, yeah, oh, absolutely. Ah. Absolutely. And it's in their brands that you're... Yes. Got it. Yes, yes. That makes sense of why the space is so freaking huge. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Interesting. And now you're trying to do retail. Yes. Okay. And see, um, we're controlling it right now with the delivery side. Okay. So on our delivery platforms. So we're able to push the product out and build our customer base. So as we're building our customer base, catering to you at your door... We also want to be able to cater to the masses at the stores. So we're also working on uh, strategically locating uh, the best possible spaces now for two of the for two of the applications we have. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, it's been uh, really tough trying to find the right retail space that has ample parking, you know, and then we're trying to stay away from those uh, sensitive use spaces where mm -hmm. you're, if you're next to a school mm -hmm. or park or drug rehab or mm -hmm. all of that, you know. Right. Wait. So what? So you're back to your other shops that you had mm -hmm. on the six. You do. You got rid of those. Oh yes. All of those are getting completely gone. <laughs> they sure are. They sure. 
But you want to do retail. Absolutely. So, you have to. Right, right, right. If you want to truly be successful, right. you want to do what I'm calling is a complete ecosystem from seed to sell to the end user or to the patient, right. to the customer. Right, right, right. So you have the room. If you need right. to lower the price, you can. Right. It's yours. It's yours. It's already, you, can, you know what you're paying for. It. You know what your expenses mm-hmm. are. You have your, from uh, the transportation to the testing to the nutrients, to the packaging, to the trimmers, you know, everything is in house. everything. Right. And then it's like, you can kind of see with selling the product, you get to see what the demand is. Absolutely. You can go back and look, Hey, we need we to change. change it. Right. Have you done that? Oh yes. We've been doing, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, not just R and D's, but, uh, uh, where we've had uh, people come into the room, they don't even know what they're looking at, whose brand it is, who it belongs to. We're watching them facilitate and looking to see what people like. If it's the color, if it's the structure, if it's the look, if it's mm-hmm. the color of the packaging, uh, if it's the print of the packaging, uh, the results. So we're going by even mm-hmm. comparing uh, THC percentages. Okay, are people really looking at that difference if it's under 20% mm-hmm. or if it's uh, under 25% THC? Or if it's under 30% THC, let's see how people are vibing. And then let's look and see if they're really looking at the difference between an indoor or comparing it to greenhouse or outdoor or light depth. Interesting. Yes. What yes. We've been, we've been checking all of that out. What do you see the difference with outdoor and indoor? Uh, oh, well, depending now. Outdoor and depending on the strain and depending on how you care for it. Okay. Can actually sometimes look like an indoor. It's sad to say. There's a Tropicana it's sad that's to out say. there. That is a Tropicana that's in Humboldt right now. Wait, Shout out. That trop- looks so much like an indoor. And it's just straight outdoor all day. So is that bad? It's not bad. That, I mean, that, mean, it's, it's, that it's, means it's, it's taking care it's, of so it's well. It's bad because it's a it's competition for those of us that are growing in- indoor, indoor that can't sell it at the price that that other's being sold for. Right. It, you can't, you can't, you can't. You know, you can't compete. You can't compete with the outdoor growing so because well that it can market for both. For an, yes. And that's why people are always looking for what they call AAA light depths because those are always pa- always passing as an indoor. You know, it's AAA, it's premium and light deprivated. AAA light depth. Light is, that depth. Lo- is that named on the package? No. Okay. But how would you know then? Um, if you look at uh, some, some, some advertise on their packaging if it's outdoor if Mm -hmm. it's light depth if it's greenhouse and some will just let you know no this is an la urban growers indoor flower right that goes on the coas you know when it comes to uh the history you know you you have to know Mm -hmm. when you're looking at test results so you can't like hoodwink anyone you don't want to you want people to know what they're getting right you do you know about the appalachians program no okay Talk to me, though. So, California, I think they did sign it uh, in October, but it's basically mainly out of, um, like, the Emerald Triangle area where they're Mm -hmm. trying to show, like, basically they'll have to identify on the packages that the product came from the origin or wherever it's originally from, wherever it was grown, Mm -hmm. because a lot of these companies are, like, they'll say it's from Humboldt, but it's really from, like, LA. It's going to grow. Yeah, it's from (laughs) Altadena or something. Right, (laughs) Right. and it's they're selling it in that way, and they're, like, you're taking the allure and the essence of what we're known for. Absolutely. Away from... No, I do agree with that. Yeah. That's important. Just like I would want people to know, and I want everyone Mm -hmm. always to know 
This has grown from the Los Angeles Urban Farmers. Interesting. Gold Verde Incubator, Green Haven, LA. Right. You know, you e say it's Emerald in, Dreams. Right. Yes. You, we you identify. Make sure it's on there. Right. Yeah. And how, but how are companies, my, like, I mean, they are getting away with it. Well, they'll, they'll say like it's Emerald Triangle, but really it's grown in like an indoor facility, like in Sacramento, but like it's close enough it's to where they can be like, say, oh, we could say it's up north yes, and yes. that will sway someone into mm -hmm. purchasing that product. No, I totally agree with yeah. you. Do you, so you see that with people purchasing? I've seen it in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. The indoor and the outdoor yes. issue. That's a huge, but that's like, I've ate them in a meeting. They were talking about it. Like. They're, these growers are really trying to get their product recognized or like yes. for their, because they put so much time and effort into their strains and their genetics. And, you know, they have such certain temperatures in that area that like you can't get in the, the other parts of the world. Yes. But that's a huge thing. So I'm like really surprised to see, because I've had this conversation, like people out here, well, I think it's if grown obviously out here outdoor, it's not going to be the best. But like, I know Santa Barbara does allow for outdoor, Oh, yes. But There's it's, areas that can. Although who's changing right now, I think Lake County or Lower Lake, mm -hmm. uh, as far as when it comes to the outdoor, things just can't be uh, just grown outdoors. If you're near another farm, mm -hmm. you know how you can actually, in a sense, uh, 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 what tends to happen is the pollination is, mm -hmm. is, is, is it could be running rampant. Mm -hmm. You might start with one particular strain, then the next, you know, on someone else's farm and their pollination heads onto your farm and then your mm -hmm. strain turns into something totally different. So, you know, that's why covering mm -hmm. is extremely important. They don't like talking about berry hoops or hoop houses, but um, uh, they want to make sure there's some type of structure involved. Oh, like over it. Yeah. Even though it's outdoor. Even though it's outdoor. And that's to prevent from... Affecting out adjacent. Uh, yes. Oh, yes, got yes, it, got yes. it, got it. What is your What is your preference, outdoor, indoor? You know, uh, outdoor, indoor, indoor. Yeah. Well, without. but if it's grown so well outdoor. Well, the amount of care that's put into indoor growing is phenomenal. It is like dealing with a newborn in ICU with twenty four hour care. Interesting. That's how indoor is, and that's why it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. That's why an average indoor pound is $2,500 as opposed to, you know, an average outdoor 600 mm -hmm. You know, you're creating the, uh, the uh, outside ambiance. Yeah, you're, you're controlling it. You know, so how it. do you do that? Yeah. It takes a lot of work to do that. Yeah. Well, which words, we're ending our episode. We talk so much. <laughs> I loved it though. This is amazing. Thank you. I, appreciate I learned a the lot. I really learned a lot. You're yes. so smart and just a hustler, and I want to continue to learn from you. So okay, well we're friends. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm always around. Yes, thank you for coming down thank here, you. and uh, everyone, thank you for listening to this session. This was amazing, and I'm glad that you guys could join in and. Tell everyone they, where they can find you. You can find me once again. It's Chauncey Bullock, uh, the CEO of Go Verde Incubator. You can go to www.greenhavenla.com for a website, or you can reach out to us, 310-590-5494. Nice. Peace and blessings. You can follow me at Shawitoke, S-H-A-L-W-E-T-O-K-E, and that's shawitoke.com as well. My name is Shalina. Thank you for joining me for another session on Shall We Tope. See you next time.
You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. 